Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there, I'm David McGregor. You are going to be listening to an audio version of my play, Immersion Therapy. Produced by Gather by the Ghost Light. I hope you enjoy it and happy listening. All right, welcome back to Gather by the Ghost Light, original stories for radio theater. I'm Jonathan Cook, your host, producer and sometimes voice actor on this thing. And this is the first episode of 2024. And there's been a lot of planning going on behind the curtains here. we got a lot of cool things coming up, with one of them being the inaugural Off-Broad Street Play Festival that's taking place in April at Le Chad Noir Theater in Augusta, Georgia. In total, we received 767 plays from around the world, and we are currently in the process of selecting eight of those plays to be performed at the festival. So keep a lookout on our website and social media for the announcement of the selected plays in the lineup. And everyone out there that submitted, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. You know, keep creating and doing what you do because you never know what other submission opportunities may be coming up in the future. And now let me present to you our first release of 2024. Today's story was written by Michigan-based playwright David McGregor. David is a resident artist at the Purple Rose Theater, and he's written many award-winning plays that have been seen by audiences around the world. And his full-length play, Vino Veritas, was even turned into a feature film starring Carrie Preston. And today, you are going to hear his short play called Immersion Therapy. You're about to meet a woman named Melissa. It turns out that today is her birthday, and her husband is about to give her the greatest birthday present ever. Now, gather around the ghost light, sit back and enjoy. This is Immersion Therapy, written by David McGregor. And be sure to stick around after the story to hear an interview with the writer and the voice actors. Mm, maybe it'll be a trip to Scotland. Or Greece. Wow, look at those shores. They're like a dream. Ooh, finally he's home. Can't wait to see what he has in store this year. Hi, hun. Oh, there she is. Happy birthday, sweetheart. How's your day been so far? It's been okay. Nothing special yet. 
Well? Well, what? You'd better be kidding. <laughs> About what? Oh my God, don't do this to me. Uh, I'm not sure I follow you. My present? An amazing, one-of-a-kind, incredible birthday present? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I usually try to get you a little mm -hmm. something for your birthday each year, don't I? A little something? A signed first edition of Ulysses by James Joyce? Skydiving over the Mojave Desert at sunset? Dinner at the French Laundry, honey. Your presents? My girlfriends want to slit my throat when they hear what you get me for my birthday. Well, birthdays are special. So, they should be special. So, what is it this year? Can I guess? Come on now, honey. You know that every year it gets harder and harder to do something amazing, right? Not for you. Well, I, I do my best, but I, I just want you to know that if I'm going to keep up the standards, I need to start thinking more and more outside the box. Oh my god, it's going to be... Just tell me. Is it a present or an experience? Um, kind of both. I mean, maybe it's leaning a little more towards the experience side. Really? Do I need to pack? Where are we going? Well, for this experience, you just need to stand right there. Right here? <laughs> right there. And close your eyes. <sighs> uh, 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 close them. Okay, they're closed. Bring it on. Oh my god, oh my god, how long do I have to wait? Not long, just keep your eyes closed. Right. Come on in. Come, 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 come. All right, over here. Oh, over there? Yeah, go stand right in front of her. Still waiting. Okay, are you ready? Yes. All right, open your eyes. Oh my God. Happy birthday! Happy, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy, 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 happy birthday. Happy, 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 happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday. I don't think your wife likes clowns. No, actually, she's terrified of clowns. Has been as long as I've known her. You know, it's not that uncommon, apparently. It's called chorophobia, which means... Uh, Fear of clowns. Right. So I'm not sure this was such a good idea for a birthday present. No, no, actually, it's a great idea. How do you figure? Well, I mean, how many pieces of jewelry can you get someone? And how many fancy restaurants can you go to? But this... To take oh, someone's greatest fear and have them finally face it and overcome it. You know, don't you think that's the best present you could ever give to anyone? Oh, you know, she can't go to the circus, oh, can't go to carnivals. She can't go to half the birthday parties for our nephews and nieces because there's going to be a clown there. You know, it's an irrational fear that genuinely affects the quality of her life. So, you know, what better present than curing her of that fear? Right. Now, I did some research on phobias, and apparently what the experts do to get people to overcome their fears, they try to get them more comfortable with the very thing that terrifies them. They call it immersion therapy, which is where you come in. Yeah, I, I get that. So what I'm going to do is, you know, I'm going to leave you two alone, just for a little bit, and I'm going to run up to the store, maybe get some birthday candles. You know, it'll give Melissa time to uh, assimilate, or whatever the, the word is. Acclimate. Bingo, yeah, that the letter acclimate to you being here, and, you know, once she gets over the shock, just play it by ear, okay? Great, I'll be back in a few. Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm really sorry about this. You... <laughs> Your husband didn't tell me you were scared of clowns. Listen. Okay. 
maybe I'll, I'll just sit down. Lots of travel magazines here. Oh, Greek islands. <laughs> you like to travel? I, I've never been to Greece or Europe even. I, I've been to Montreal, though. It's kind of like Europe, so... <laughs> I've been told it's like Europe. Uh, oh, do you like magic tricks? Oh, mm, 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 mm. You know, I'm just a regular person in a costume with some makeup on. I don't understand why people, and believe me, it's a lot of people these days... Why do they have such a problem with clowns? You know, just last week I got hired for his birthday party, a kid's birthday party, and they told me explicitly that I couldn't come dressed as a clown. So I go, you know, a gig's a gig, and I'm doing my thing, making balloon animals and whatnot, and I asked this one little girl why why they wouldn't let me come as a clown, that I'm a nice clown, a funny clown. And this girl says to me, because if you were a clown, I wouldn't be here right now. I mean, that hurts. It, it does. It's not like I just put on this outfit and call myself a clown. I, I went to clown college. I did. I studied the films of Charlie Chaplin and, and the Three Stooges. I, I can juggle, walk on stilts. I, I can ride a unicycle. I broke my left elbow twice learning how to walk in these clown shoes. Now all of a sudden, I, I, I freak people out. Where did that come from? Somehow we now live in a society where everyone's afraid of something all the time. Everyone has some kind of phobia or or, or, or allergy or, or a condition. <laughs> if it's not on our phones or TV screen, we're terrified. So why do we do everything we can to avoid the real world and real people? Anyway, I'm sorry about this. I, I really am. Uh, but... Why, why are people so afraid of clowns? I, I just don't get it. It was... It was a parade. Huh? A Thanksgiving Day parade. That's when it started. Do you want to tell me about it? I've never told anyone, ever. Not even my husband. Well, it's up to you. Uh, feel free to tell me if you want I'm not here to judge or anything. I'm just a clown. I was probably eight or nine years old, and I went down to the parade with my whole family. My mom and dad, my two little brothers, and we got there early, so we had a perfect spot right on the curb. And the parade starts, and it's just wonderful. It's a gorgeous autumn day. They've got floats and balloons and marching bands and... And then finally, at the very end, here comes Santa Claus. He's on this amazing red and green tinsel-covered float, and he's getting closer and closer. And, and one of his elves comes by and gives me a candy cane, and I'm holding the candy cane as Santa passes right in front of us. And I can't believe it, but Santa turns and looks at me. Not at my mom and dad, not at my brothers. He's looking right at me. And he puts his finger to the side of his nose and winks. And me. And I know that he knows what a good girl I've been and that this is going to be the best Christmas ever. And it's like I'm floating on this cloud of pure joy. And I turn to my brother to tell him what just happened. And when I do, there's this 
clown, this huge clown face about six inches from mine. And the clown says, Merry Christmas, little lady. And I wet myself right there in the street. And I couldn't stop. My brothers are laughing. Other people are pointing. And my parents are looking at me like they don't even know who I am. It was the single most horrible, humiliating moment of my entire life. Wow. I, I, I don't know what to say. And that's not the worst part. The worst part? And I didn't realize this until years later. The worst part is that when I turned and saw that clown, I had the most powerful orgasm of my entire life. Okay. Whoa. I didn't see that one coming. That's what it was. That's why I couldn't control myself. I just went numb head to foot. And ever since then, I've had this problem with clowns. And to be honest, I've had some other issues as well because of that moment. Not that my husband hasn't been great. He has. He's very, very understanding. And our relationship is just about perfect in every other way. But it's like I have this mental block when it comes to... I get it. You don't have to say another word. Sorry to unload on you like this. No, that's what I'm here for. Well, at least you're talking to me. That's something. I guess so. And you're looking at me without screaming. I'll take that as a positive. You're actually doing pretty good. Thank you. How about we try something? Maybe your husband's right. Maybe just getting a little more comfortable, more acclimated would be a good idea. So how about if I get up and I'll just stand in the center of the room? I won't make any sudden movements, and if you want to get any closer to me, then you can. And if not, that's that's perfectly fine. Okay. Okay, okay. How are we doing? My heart's kind of pounding. <laughs> you want me to sit down again? No. No, I, I need to be able to deal with this. Like you said, you're just a regular person in a costume. Where do you buy clown shoes, anyway? There's a company called Spears. Spears Specialty Shoes. They, they've been around 40 years or so. Good outfit, quality products, but not cheap, believe me. This is their tricolored full-length lollipop model. They sent me back $425 a pair. And are there specialty clothing stores for clowns, too? Oh, you can find plenty of stuff online, but it's it's all pretty cheap. I, I prefer to make my own costumes. Wow. That's beautiful stitching. Thank you. I take a lot of pride in it. Tailoring is kind of a dying art, you know? <laughs> kind of like clowning, I guess. I love this color. Do you? Oh, it's, it's, it's my favorite, too. I, I mean, it has to be bright. That's that's a part of the clown thing. But I, I still think the right colors are what really pull an outfit together. Absolutely. Did you make the horn, too? No, it's just a regular horn. Old-fashioned bike horn, probably made in China. Can I... <laughs> oh! Nelia. Oh. Oh. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> uh. This is the closest I've been to a clown since I don't feel frightened at all. Good. That's good. Really, really good. What's your name? Droppo. Droppo the clown is kind of my stick, you know. Like, I'm clumsy. Drop things. Droppo. That's why you dropped your horn when you first showed up. <laughs> That's why I dropped. 
Drop my horn. Drabo? Yeah? There's something I need to tell you. Oh? I... I love my husband very much. And he's probably on his way back from the store right now. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, that makes sense when people go to the store, they usually come back from the store. Yes, they do. Uh, maybe I should go. I think so. But thank you. For everything. No problem. Drapo, could I maybe ask you for one little favor? Name it. This is going to sound ridiculous, but can I have your nose? Your big red clown nose? My big? Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. <laughs> Here you go. In fact, take the horn, too. You never know when you might need a clown horn there. They're both yours, <laughs> and I'm going to say goodbye now, Melissa. Goodbye, Drapo. <sighs> oh. <laughs> hey, I just saw Drapo heading out. Uh, tell me, how'd it go? Good. Really, really, really good. Can you sit down, hun? <laughs> Why? Because I have a present for you. For both of us. Oh, great. What is it? Ah, that's a, that's a clown nose. A, a big red clown nose. Yes, it is. Oh, and a clown horn too. Look at that. And a clown horn too. Will you put it on? Put it on? Oh, oh, you mean the, the big red nose. Yeah. Well, uh, sure, yeah. Maybe I'll just, you know, I'll put it on for a second. That might be fun. It might be. But should I put it on right now? You should put it on right now. All right. Uh, uh, well, there we go. How do I look? Mm. <laughs> Melissa? Mm. Are you okay? Melissa, do you want to... Uh, uh-huh. Oh, mm. Mm. That was Immersion Therapy, written by David McGregor. It was performed by Devin McSherry as Melissa, myself as Doug, and Tommy Cooper as Drapo the Clown. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
All right, joining me now is the writer of the story you just heard. He's a playwright based in Michigan, and he's the resident artist of the highly acclaimed Purple Rose Theater. His plays have been seen all over the world, and his scripts have been published by Smith & Krauss, Applause, Dramatic Publishing, and others. Ladies and gentlemen, this is David McGregor. How are you, sir? I'm just happy to be here. It's two degrees outside, so... This is nice. So with me now is also uh, Devin McSherry. She was the voice actress uh, for the story that uh, people just heard. She was Melissa and your play Immersion Therapy. Hello. Thank you for having me. All right. So I, I actually should say welcome back uh, because you know, some people may or may not remember. But in the first year of this podcast, uh, I produced her play Just Desserts. Um, and, uh, and actually... You were the, that was the first play that I produced that wasn't one of my own plays. Uh, Because at the time, I didn't know where this thing was going. I didn't know what I was doing. And and honestly, I was just kind of terrified to reach out to other writers and ask them to produce their work. Uh, So the first five episodes were my own plays. And then uh, then for the sixth one, I reached out to you about Just Desserts. Um, And also, I didn't have the format established yet for doing interviews after the plays back then. So anyone that listens to that old episode won't hear me chatting with you after, but here we are uh, with your play, Immersion Therapy. Uh, So for people that aren't familiar with you and your work, uh, could you give us a little background on how you got your playwriting superpowers and your writing journey? My mom saw a classified ad in a newspaper. And uh, I'll give you my best, uh, my mom impersonation. My mom was Scottish. And uh, she was looking at the newspaper and she said, oh, David, look at this. There's a, there's a, a wee theater. They're putting on plays. You should write a play. And I thought, yeah, I should write a play. That'd be fun. Because I, you know, I'd, I'd written like short stories and things like that. And so I wrote a short play and it appeared in a, a one-act play festival. And as, you know, is often the case, the festival asked me, do you want to direct it? And I said, yeah. So I kind of got thrown in the deep end. And it's a one-act play festival, so it's a little crazy. You know, me and my cast would run across the street to the bar across the road and drink white Russians and then run back and do our show. And I just, I love the whole concept of it. I love the collaboration. I love the uh, the creativity of other people. And I just kept going from there. Awesome. So now your, uh, your play that everyone just heard, uh, Immersion Therapy, uh, now I know this this play is at a, it's had a few productions, uh, and it's got a hilarious premise. You got this wife who's terrified of clowns, and and the husband, you know, his idea of a good present this year would be to uh, to try to get her over that fear with this form of immersion therapy by giving her a clown for her birthday. <laughs> um, and I love the way you wrote it. I love how it unfolds, and because um, you don't know how the wife is going to react to this along the way, and it just all unfolds perfectly. So. At the time that you wrote this play, uh, what what was your process for putting it all together and all that? Well, I, I can't remember exactly, and I'm not even going to pretend I have a process. It's just ideas, situations, characters pop into my head. And at about the same time, I had this idea of what's... Because I love getting people gifts. Uh, and what I kind of discovered over the years is that experiences are way better than things. And so I just started thinking, what's the best gift you could give somebody? And I actually, around the time I wrote Immersion Therapy, I wrote a companion piece uh, called Fixing Bob, in which it's a wife getting her husband the best 
birthday present in the world. And in that play, the present is she's going to castrate him, <laughs> which you know, it, it may not sound. It's off-putting at first blush, right? But as she explains it to a friend of hers, it's it's the best present ever because, you know, they you know their health insurance doesn't cover vasectomies. Uh, he won't lose his hair. He won't get testicular cancer. Eunuchs live longer. It's you know plus 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 plus. Um, so kind of like immersion <laughs> therapies, like at first glance, it seems horrible, beyond horrible, but it's actually. Uh, you know, the most loving, thoughtful uh, gift that you could possibly get your partner. <laughs> okay. So I have to ask, I was, I was talking to Jonathan while we were recording and I said, if my husband locked me in a room full of spiders, I would divorce him. Like this would not be <laughs> a good present in my mind. So do you think that uh, facing your biggest fear would be a good present for you personally? Well, I don't have anything approaching that kind of phobia. Um, but immersion therapy is a thing. It's like I just make that up out of whole cloth. And it it does make sense. You're kind of, you know, making an effort to desensitize somebody, whether it's spiders or claustrophobia or clowns, uh, because it is an irrational fear, you know, and it does and it can. I mean, certainly in the cases of, of people that are like, for example, afraid of, you know, acrophobia, they're afraid of going outside. Mm -hmm it can severely compromise the quality of people's lives. So I just took this, you know, this concept of emergent therapy and yeah, I, I like the absurdity of it. And I, I, I am kind of drawn to dark comedy. Like it, it's funny, but it shouldn't be funny. And yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't say I'm afraid of clowns. I'm not crazy about clowns. Mm. Clowns, <laughs> it's like, you know, they got all that, makeup on and it's like yeah you're hiding something <laughs> maybe there's a little bit of john wayne gacy in there i don't know uh so i wouldn't say i fear them but i if i'm in their presence i keep an eye on them <laughs> <laughs> so with, with that in mind um devin when i asked you to play this role mm -hmm. um and i sent you the script what were your first thoughts and and how did you go about trying to become this character going through this immersion therapy think about it as, as spiders like you said. yeah what? yeah um so when i first read it it was uh uh i didn't know what was gonna happen it was very much a roller coaster uh and like in the middle of the script uh droppo says well that that i wasn't expecting that and so i, I kind of have that same uh whiplash but the idea i, I also enjoyed dark comedies and kind of pushing things things into absurd. So uh, I, I knew it would be a challenge because she goes through such a range of emotions. Like she starts out excited and hopeful and then terrified. And then she's going through some trauma from her childhood. <laughs> and, uh, and by the end, uh, she's, uh, she's real excited that her husband is home. <laughs> so I knew it was going to be a challenge. And uh, so I kind of wanted to jump in and I knew you would, you would support me and help guide me. So. Yeah. And, uh, as far as, uh, cause I played the the husband part in this one and, um, I, I kind of like his, his attitude towards it. He's like, he gets her these cool gifts every year. And then with this thing that he knows that she's scared of, he's just kind of blase about it. He's like, Oh, let's just see how it goes. You know, I'll be back in a few, <laughs> just do your thing. And I just, I love that his attitude towards it. It just kind of gives it another layer of that, you know, dark humor that, that we all love. Like he has no doubt that he 
is not going to get in trouble with her. Like she's, she's going to be fine with this gift. It seems. <laughs> yeah. He has her best interests at heart. Yeah. It's uh it's well-intentioned. I mean, as a, as a slight tangent, I can tell you like last year there was a theater in uh, Illinois that was putting on a one act festival and they, you know, you send in plays and they said, yeah, we really want to do this. And okay, fine. That'd be great. And then like a month before the festival uh, was supposed to start, I got an email from the woman directing it. And she basically said, yeah, I read this through really quickly and I thought it was great. And I just read it again. And yeah, you need to change this play. I was like, (laughs) what "What do you mean? And she's like, well, you know, the fact that the, the female character has, uh, uh, sexual feelings of some kind, some way. She's not 18. She's not 18. And I go, yeah. She goes, well, you need to change that. <laughs> and I just, yeah, that's not happening. Just pull the play. That's not, <laughs> we'll, we won't do the play. Yeah. And the, the, to their credit, the theater was incredibly apologetic and they're doing it this year without her mm. direct. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, she's uh, not currently underage when she's going through this play. So, <laughs> no, it's uh, a... yeah, I don't quite Well, you know, see as you guys know, thing. your sexuality switches on like that on your 18th birthday. Obviously. Prior to that, you have no <laughs> interest in anything along those lines at all. Exactly. It's, just a, it's a light bulb that switches so on. So easy. Yeah. So well, that's cool mm. how that worked out, how um, the person that kind of made you pull the play is gone now, and now they're... Uh, wanting to do it well they would have, she would have been happy to do the play if i made all the characters 18 but like you jonathan i'm an arrogant you know playwright that <laughs> do it my way or you're not doing it so i don't know i don't know if jonathan told you that you know he and i met in brockport new york oh yeah yeah place. let's let's do that let's do that flashback real quick so it's it's 2015 <laughs> Uh, me and, and David here, we, we had our play selected for the, uh, SUNY Brockport university 10 minute play festival. I forget the exact name of it. Um, and, and they, and they don't pay for travel, but when you get there, they pay for your, they give you bed and breakfast. Um, they give you a place to stay and it was just, it was a fun experience. Um, and out of all the writers that got accepted, like me and David were the only ones that were available to make it that weekend. Um, and that was honestly, from my own personal writing journey, that was one of the highlights because not only did the university do an awesome production of my play, which was, uh, the play transferring Kyle, but, uh, I also met you, which you were at the time, I, 2015, I was still new at this. I didn't know what I was doing and meeting you and just knowing, um, all that you've done, all that you've accomplished. Cause you know, like all the playwrights do, when we get accepted to a festival, we look into all the other writers that also got accepted just to see, we read the bios and stuff and just seeing everything you'd already done, all the plays you have produced around the world, your, your full length play, Vino Veritas had already been made into a full length movie with, uh, with notable actors, you know, Carrie Preston from True Blood was in it. Um, and, and you just had so much going on and it was just inspiring to meet you and knowing that you're you're just like me, you know, <laughs> that you're just uh, you go through the same struggles, you go through the same successes, getting accepted and all that. So, uh, yeah. So here we are, you know, what it nine years later? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just remember like the the bed and breakfast they put us up and it was it was everybody was so lovely, but it, it was kind of like this Norman Bates <laughs> house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a little, 
Victorian, a little bit run down, and it was uh, yeah, slightly creepy. But uh, you know, I was glad I had you know Jonathan there, so I've got a partner in crime. Like they're going to have to kill two of us. <laughs> so. That's right. Uh, that's just inspiration for something else to write. It also uh, meeting you there because Patrick Gabridge was in that festival with us, but he couldn't make it to the festival, which. Uh, his play Beatrix Potter Must Die, which I've produced, yeah. I've produced Patrick's work a couple of times now on this podcast. But when I met you and you brought him up, uh, you were the first person to ever tell me about the playwright binge. That's how I discovered it. And I think okay. at the time, I think it was just like a Yahoo group. It wasn't what it is today. Um, but yeah. uh, when, because I remember when I got home from that weekend, the first thing I did was I, I went on there and I signed up and ever since then, and uh, Patrick and you and the playwright binge has been such an integral part to me getting, you know, productions of my plays in other places. So, uh, so yeah, thank you for that as well. Well, I've never met Patrick, but he's clearly like a, a guiding light and patron saint of pay, of playwrights because he's so well-intentioned mm -hmm. and he's, you know, anything that he writes is, uh, you know, not just his plays, he's a really, you know, he's an outstanding playwright, but he's just a, a very fair-minded, civil guy. Um, and as you know, a lot of writers are, you know, they're very uh, kind of almost paranoid and kind of high-strung, and why am I not getting more productions, and am I being kind of, uh, you know, selected out for whatever reason? And he's always a voice of reason, and that's what I appreciate most about him. Uh, yeah, he's a very, very great guy, and my chats with him um, it, like this after producing his, his couple of plays I did, he said, he's so down to earth and just, he just wants to see everyone succeed, which, uh, is, is a good quality for every, every writer, actually every field, uh, that, that you, that you are, that you're in. Um, it's a good quality to have. Uh, so it, as far as immersion therapy and, uh, all the productions of it, uh, you seem like a writer that actually goes out and tries to see your plays when they get produced, if you can. Uh, so have you seen any productions of immersion therapy by, uh, by other theaters out there? Yeah, I've seen, uh, I think I've seen it twice, I want to say. Um, I do try to make it if I can make it. I live in Michigan. So if stuff is done in like Ohio or Illinois or Michigan, I try to make it once in a while, New York. Uh, you know, for a long time, my daughter, who's now 22, but uh, if it was during the summer, I mean, she and I would just drive. We'd just go, you know. And uh, so I've seen uh, a couple of productions. And I, I really like, it's one thing to do an audio version of it. But um, just the moment when the clown comes in, <laughs> you get a very visceral response from the audience. It's, it's oh, holy shit. This is going to be Whereas funny horrible yeah so with the audio version you don't get the visual of that but you do hear the squeaky shoes <laughs> as he, as oh that's in. what that yeah. I like that yeah yeah so there's there's okay. a little something there to make you be like huh what's 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 happening here <laughs> you, you got some uh you got some big stuff coming up uh the antichrist cometh is a full-length play that you're gonna have a premiere of in march at purple rose theater uh, tell us about yeah. that and, uh, and and that, you know, that's another play of, of of dark comedy, which, you know, when I read the script, I just, I loved every minute of it. Uh, to tell us about, about that and your premiere of that you got coming up. Um, well, it's a, it's a comedy about, well, we'll just, uh, Devin, you can appreciate this. The guy you're sitting next to, the nice, normal, perfectly, <laughs> you know, normal guy uh -huh, uh -huh. Who, who realizes one day 
he might be the Antichrist. He's not sure. And the woman who loves him, doesn't matter if he's the Antichrist or not. She loves this guy. Mm -hmm. And many, many years ago, uh, I mean, I'm not religious in any sense, but, you know, I've read the Bible and the Quran and, uh, you know, the Hindu code of Manu, et cetera, et cetera. Just because they tell you so much about human beings, you know, hopes, fears, dreams, all that. And I remember reading the book of Revelation and it lays it all out. It says, well, yeah, the Antichrist arrives on earth. Uh, assembles an army of deceived people, wages war on God, loses, gets thrown into the ever-burning lake of fire for eternity. And I just thought, what if the Antichrist reads this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he knows he loses, so what's his motivation? And that always kind of was, you know, percolating or ticking away in the back of my head. And I thought, I'm going to try to write a play about this. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a play, it's a comedy, it's a dark comedy, and just walk that little tightrope of maybe he is, maybe he isn't. And um, I'm pretty, we'll see how people react to it. I'm really pleased with the way it ended up. I mean, I'm certainly, I'm not trying to preach anything, and I'm not hammering religion in any way, sense or, or form. I'm just, it's a story about, in my mind, it's a love story. It's a love story about the Antichrist and his partner, <laughs> or he may not be the end. The possible Antichrist. Uh, it's, never, it's never, uh, well, never guaranteed. I'm not going to spoil anything, yeah. but uh, <laughs> right, no, right. well, it sounds like a show I would like to see. <laughs> well, I mean, for you, I mean, so, certainly for you guys or any of your listeners, as the theoretically esteemed playwright, I get two comp tickets to every show. So if you want to see it, come on up. I'll get you tickets, and I can make restaurant recommendations and. Uh, if you've never been to the Purple Rose Theater in Michigan, it's a theater that was started in the early 1990s by the actor Jeff Daniels, who is still the artistic director, and he's a lovely guy. He's completely devoted to it. Um, he's very hands-on. Currently, the Purple Rose is producing a play of his, uh, a comedy called Diva Royale, and uh, it's, it's a kind of intimate theater. Uh, traditionally, 168 seats. They've opened it up. They're doing a, a season in the round this season. So it's, I think, closer to 200 seats. But the production qualities are off the charts. Amazing. All the, the you know, the uh, designers, sound, set, props, everything is first class. And that's, as, as Jonathan would, would, you know, I think echo, that's the beautiful part about theater is when you work with people that are incredibly talented and just as passionate about it as you. And I just have to, I stay in my lane, you know, you know, I'm, I'm script boy, you know, <laughs> like Jonathan was mentioning when they were making, I was on the set when they were making a feature film of one of my plays. I was coffee boy. I, you know, I ran out to get Starbucks for everybody <laughs> uh, because I'm, I, you know, if they have questions about the script, I'm there. But other than that, I am just there to help out in any way I can possibly help out. So it's a great theater. It's been around for more than you know thirty years now, and uh, it's it's just terrific to have an artistic home, which right. which I do have. As you're the resident artist at Purple Rose Theater, how did you get involved with that, and how long have you been? Uh, how long have you had that collaboration? Uh, well, they have a number of resident artists, of which I'm one. Um, the the dark seamy secret of how I got involved <laughs> is. I, I knew about them. I'd heard about them. They're the big deal, right? They've got this movie star as their artistic director. And, you know, I, I, I wrote uh, a short play, as I indicated, you know, based on an ad in a newspaper. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to write a full-length play. And I did. I wrote a full-length play. 
And I thought, I'm going to send it to them. They promote Midwest Michigan uh, talent. You know, lucky them. I'm sending them my play. And I did. <laughs> and I got a letter saying, back saying, get lost, <laughs> which I thought, that's, that's cold. But uh, as Jonathan notes, there's a fine line between persistence and being too stupid to know when to quit. So I sent it to a theater out in California called B Street Theater. Uh, which is uh, run by, at the time, I think it still is, run by Buck Busfield, brother of Tim Busfield, the actor. Um, and they said, yeah, we want to do this. And they were great. You know, they flew me out there. It was a world premiere. And then, I don't know, like five months later, I got a phone call from the Purple Rose Theater saying, is this David McGregor? We understand you had a play produced uh, on the West Coast. Can we see it? <laughs> you've already seen it and i was like yeah why not i'll send it so i sent them this, the same play they had directed and apparently or rejected apparently whoever had rejected it was no longer with the theater yeah and you never know with a play it's like wrong person wrong day wrong time they didn't like it uh but i sent it back in and like within two days i was sitting across from jeff daniels at a bar and he was saying yeah we want to do your next five plays wow and Wow. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm in. And uh, so that was, they, they, they did a play of mine. The first play that they did of mine was 2006. Uh, the Antichrist Cometh is my 10th production there. Wow. That is, uh, an, um, that's amazing. That's like, uh, <laughs> I think every writer out there would just love to have that, uh, that same being, being a resident artist at a theater that really focuses on you and appreciates your work and, and is willing to give you you know, before you even wrote them, they just said, here, we want to do your next five plays. Well, I, I think that sounded good to say at the time. The place, <laughs> I, mean, I, I think they had to be somewhat decent. Like the, the next one I wrote was the play Vino Veritas, which has done really well. I mean, it's still being produced. It's getting produced next month in Delaware. It was produced. It had 12 productions at the Edinburgh uh, Fringe Festival last August. It was made into a film, etc. Um. Then a couple of years ago, now 2018, I got it in my head. Uh, you know, it'd be fun to write a Sherlock Holmes play. It's like a character I've, I've always liked. And I thought, yeah, why not? And I wrote it and they were really happy with it. They wanted to do a, a new, you know, Sherlock Holmes play. And I thought, okay, well, you know, done and done. But it did so well. They kept asking me, they said, can you write another one? <laughs> and so I wrote, and then they said, can you write another one? And so I ended up writing three Sherlock Holmes plays for them that ended up, they're all published by, you know, theatrical rights worldwide. And uh, during COVID, you know, theaters are shut down. I uh, adapted them all into novels oh. and the novels got published by uh, a publishing company in London and are currently being translated into Italian of all things, oh, which is cool to see your name on a book with a cover in Italian. So, uh, and obviously I'm piggy, I'm piggybacking on the fame and the popularity of Sherlock Holmes. And I feel slightly guilty about that, but luckily he's in the public domain. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm stepping away from the Sherlock Holmes, uh, to, to start doing. You're going to start, uh, start doing stories about uh, steamboat Willie now since, uh, <laughs> since he's available. <laughs> I could do, yeah. Well, every it's like it's ninety five years, you know, ninety five years, and uh, yeah, you could do Steamboat Willie. There was people doing Sherlock Holmes before that, but the uh, uh, the estate of Arthur Conan Doyle was very litigious because they wanted 
they wanted the money. They wanted the money. And so, uh, but that's no longer really an issue. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Now, you're also a writing teacher. I teach at Wayne State University in lovely right. Detroit, Michigan. Okay. So what do your uh, students think about all your success with playwriting? And uh, have you had any uh, that you've mentored uh, to, to get their works out there as well? Uh, well, I'm not allowed to teach creative writing because I'm not a full-time faculty, right? So I teach like intermediate composition and things like that. But in the course of doing that, I regularly run into students that want to write plays, want to write screenplays, or they're in uh, in drama, you know, they're doing productions and, you know, because they're my students, I, you know, if I have a play going on, I always get them tickets so they can check it out. Um, yeah, well, no, it's odd. Like when people figure stuff out, it's the age of the internet, you know, everyone's got their phone, everyone's got their laptop. And, you know, generally like first couple of classes, there will be this epiphany moment with people Googling frantically. And they're like, Oh my God, you're on IMDB. <laughs> yeah. So it's like all of a sudden it's like you matter you, you know you you're somebody i'm gonna listen to you now <laughs> yeah we yeah. thought you were just this know nothing professor um but yeah but yeah now we're in the in the beautiful wonderful age of chat gpt where nobody has to write anything ever so that's that's the the battle that uh all writing teachers are are currently facing now, before we wrap up, there's something I want you to do for me. Um, you you wrote a full-length play that's not on the New Play Exchange called In the Land of Fire and Ice. That one is in pre-production to be made into a film, and you have an actress attached to it, uh, Shoray Adashlu, I think I, I hope I'm saying that name right, um, but she was recently seen in the movie Renfield, among many other things. Uh, so what what is uh, what is that? the process on getting uh and getting that film made from your your play is it similar to what you did with the other one well this i never wrote this as a play no? uh the the director who directed the feature film version of vino veritas asked me if i would be interested in collaborating with her on another project and so uh her name's sarah knight um she's a, a director who lives in new york and so between us uh you know the idea was i would write it she would direct it and it's, uh, it's a, you know, film wise, it's a tough sell because the protagonist is a middle-aged woman, you know, um, a middle Eastern middle-aged woman, Sheree, uh, who I met, I, you know, we met in Toronto. Um, she's absolutely lovely. Um, and so it won, there's a, a screenwriting award for best screenplays featuring female protagonists called the Athena award. Uh, so the screenplay won that it's won a couple of other things. It does have uh, producers attached to it. Uh, and we'll see, you know, it literally, uh, Michael Keaton's agent loved it. So, um, she's taking it to him. I know he, you know, he's very, 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 very picky about what he does. So it's in a position of waiting for, uh, you know, a little bit of funding and a male lead. Um, so we shall see. It's, as they say, in development, which can last two weeks or 15 years. So <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, th- I never wrote that as a play. That's strictly a movie. It's about a Middle Eastern uh, banking genius guru woman uh, that needs to flee for uh, reasons and ends up in Iceland trying to figure out what to do with her life. All right, David. So where can people find you? Do you got a website or any social media that you're active on? 
I've got stuff listed on uh, the NPX. I've, you know, I've got my own website. Um, a friend of mine uh, was kind enough to assemble a website for me uh, for free, but you know, she, she knows I owe her forever. <laughs> she, she can hold that over my head. Anything she needs me to do. Can you look at this for me? Yes, of course I can. Um, so yeah, if people are interested, it's just my name, David hyphen McGregor.com. And I've got plays there. You can read them. They're on MPX and I'm easy to find. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty good with other human beings for up to like 45 minutes at a time. After that, <laughs> they just nosedive. I can't, I can't. Yeah, I guess we, we should wrap this up pretty quick then. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and there is a lovely, amazing bed and breakfast, literally a hundred yards from the Purple Rose Theater. Ooh, and it's uh, a, it's a town. It's a tiny little town, but because that theater's there, there's a lot of great restaurants because it's a destination. People come and, you know, the Purple Rose does plays Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, it's a, it's a destination that people go to. And so the restaurants kind of reflect the quality of the, uh, the theater. It's oh, very, very, very cool. Well, I hope to, uh, to make that journey and, uh, and, uh, really appreciate you letting us do immersion therapy. Devin, thank you for taking the part of Melissa on, yeah, uh, David, thank you for writing it. Uh, and I really hope that we can collaborate again in the future. Yeah, that would be great. I think what you're doing, what you're attempting, it's so ambitious and you're doing such an amazing job with it. I'm I'm really genuinely delighted to be a part of it. So anything else that we can collaborate on in the future, just sign me up. Oh, no, you'll, you'll be hearing from me for sure. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I love your work, dude. <laughs> okay, thanks. Thank you all for listening. And if you are associated with a theater and you would like to produce the play you heard today on your stage, Send an email to info at gatheredbythegostlight.com or contact the playwright directly at his website, david-mcgregor.com. And if you would like to have some cool Gather by the Ghostlight merchandise, t-shirts are available at the merchandise link in the show notes, and you can also find the Gather by the Ghostlight annual companion books available at Amazon. Intro and outro music, as always, is provided by artist JK47. And if you enjoy this podcast, maybe you're a longtime listener, or maybe this is the first episode you've ever heard. Let us know, please. Leave us a rating or a review in all the places that you can. And also be sure to follow Gather by the Ghost Light on social media to stay up to date on new episodes. I'm Jonathan Cook, and as always, stay safe, and I'll see you next time we gather by the Ghost Light. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.